Nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. This is Garage Logic Podcast number 13, September 26, 2018. Brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Store. The record high temperature in Garage Logic on this day was 87 degrees in 1923. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. We're going to take a timeout from America tearing itself apart and uh, go to a larger problem in the world. I have Dr. Tom Combs joining us. Do I have Tom on the air? Yes, you do, Joe. Hi, Doc. Uh, we've talked to you before. You are a uh, former emergency room doctor, and you have a particular interest in uh, many fields, the opioid crisis, uh, Ebola. Uh, I called you yesterday because I've been reading in the British tabloids that apparently a perfect storm is brewing in the Democratic Republic of the Congo uh, for yet another Ebola outbreak. I guess my initial question to you is, why is news of this uh, invariably limited to uh, to gossipy tabloid newspapers? Yeah, great question. Hey, first, just on my intro, I want to add, uh, most significantly, the past 10 years, I am a uh, author of medical thrillers, and uh, that in part has been the uh, areas of my research that have uh, involved uh, the stories that I've created. But okay. uh, to your point... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's rather remarkable. I've had a uh, considerable interest in Ebola, particularly with the last major outbreak in uh, West Africa. And uh, this story has really uh, uh, received virtually zero attention in the United States media, and it is indeed a uh, worrisome situation. The World Health Organization... Uh, uh, according to their emergency response chief, Peter Salama, said Tuesday, said yesterday, uh, since the outbreak was declared on August 1st, there have been 150 confirmed and probable cases and more than 100 deaths, while the case toll has been slowing in recent weeks from 40 per week to around 10. Salama warned of a series of grave obstacles that the global health community is now facing to bring it uh, to an end. Among those is war in the in the Congo and community resistance and mistrust because apparently people don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah, uh, you know, just for uh, historic understanding of the global uh, or the historical picture, uh, there has been, this is now the 10th outbreak, known outbreak of Ebola in the Democratic Republic of Congo. All right. uh, historically, uh, natural isolation uh, results in containment and these outbreaks dying out right. as uh, they have arisen in extremely remote areas uh, that did not have uh, travel access. Mm -hmm. uh, as years have advanced here, roadways, 
uh, vehicles, and in particular air travel, have made uh, the uh, potential uh, speed and significance of spread a huge uh, issue. And that's uh, a key element of what we're seeing uh, with the outbreak that they had this spring in the Congo, which was declared over on, uh, I believe it was uh, July 25th. And this outbreak, which originated in Ju- on July 28th with the first report. So they've almost, they've had kind of end-to-end uh, outbreaks in different parts of that country. Well, two parts to my confusion. One would be that uh, I certainly agree with you that travel uh, around the world would make it easier for this disease to spread. But it sounds like the disease affects areas of such poverty that people can't afford to get on airplanes. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a great point and one that I think we might have discussed before as related to the last epidemic uh, that was uh, in West Africa where uh, 11, over 11,000 people died. And uh, issues there involved uh, what kind of precautions can be put in place to prevent the travel, in particular air travel being a nightmarish possibility, and uh, how effective were those precautions. Um, yeah, the current situation is really difficult. The, the obstacles that you mentioned that you touched on uh, make this situation incredibly uh, worrisome. And the area involved is a highly populated area for that country with over one million displaced people. Right. And it borders Rwanda, Uganda, and the southern Sudan. And every uh, World Health Organization report now uh, declares that the borders there are highly active with regards trade and travel. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Um, it's, it's, uh, it is a scary circumstance, there's no doubt. Has, has Ebola been around since the beginning of time? Um, I, you know what? Uh, I, 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 we don't know that. The uh, initial uh, outbreaks have been within the last uh, several decades uh, when the disease was identified. Of course, you, know, you have to recognize that it wasn't uh, well into the 1900s where there was significant recognition and acceptance of uh, germ theory and, you know, the involvement of bacteria and virus in causing infectious disease. So uh, along the same lines, the uh, level of sophistication needed to make the diagnosis and identify what agent was causing the illness is also something that's, you know, occurred within the last 100 years, certainly. Who are these healthcare workers? Uh, It sounds to me like they should be Highly commended for taking this on. Wow! Yeah, um, uh, they're they're um, heroic, uh, committed people. Um, I think uh, in the last big outbreak, and also uh, involved in uh, attempting to address this one and multiple throughout the throughout the uh, recent times, is uh, the uh, Physicians Without Borders or Medicine Sans Frontiers, which is a organization that that actually, I think, took the lead in the West African outbreak 
and uh, probably had a, a significant amount to do with us getting away uh, from that epidemic without it becoming a worldwide disaster, as they recognized early uh, the uh, the problem, and they were not as complacent and uh, as some uh, as some of the major organizations. So, any of, any of these individuals, uh, nurses, doctors, healthcare workers of any type, support personnel that put themselves in harm's way to do that are uh, are really uh, noble warriors in uh, in mankind's fight against a, a common enemy. As you look at the rest of the world, including the United States, what are we to conclude, that we've just been terribly fortunate, we're just lucky? Uh, well, heck yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah, we, we are. And uh, again, just to go back, Obviously, this is a hugely difficult, challenging problem, and, you know, there are no ready answers. But I think the, the questions that can arise is what, what can we do and what should we do? And um, one of the most significant aspects of uh, controlling an outbreak is isolation and containment. And uh, as, as we talked about, the historical limitation of outbreaks, let's say in the Congo, for uh, example, is because there was natural isolation and containment. You know, those those communities and people, you know, did not have the the opportunity, wherewithal, or access, you know, to to get other places and to cause spread. The disease died out. It killed people. Some survived. And the disease died out. We're speaking. Um, we're speaking with Dr. Tom Combs. Uh, you on your third book now? Or is uh, the third my book third done? Book is, my third book is completed. Uh, that that title is "Wrongful Deaths," and it is uh, in the mail on the way to you. All right, uh, because uh, you, you actually identified you would read this one, so I'm uh, delighted. Did I, I promise? It. Did I promise that I would? You did, oh, yeah. I think, right. uh, I think, uh, yeah. I think hand on heart uh, and no fingers crossed. <laughs> Is that- and, and Doc, I I could, but I won't. <laughs> I could read it, but I won't. Is this the book that caused you? Is this the book uh, that resulted in you doing intense research on the opioid crisis, or was that previous book? Uh, No, that was my uh, most recent book, the third book in the series, which was uh, is titled "Wrongful Deaths." And you Uh, and you learned uh, that you were terrified by what you discovered. Uh, yeah, um, stunned, uh, saddened. Um, concerned, uh, you know, uh, a whole raft of uh, emotions and also just kind of, you know, cerebrally trying to look at, you know, what kind of, what are, what, what are solutions? Where can we go? How are things going to carry on from here? And, let, me, let, uh, me, let me ask you a naive question. Why are these things even manufactured if they're this potent? I just read about a doctor in West Virginia who prescribed uh, opioids 318,000 times, uh, and then has since fled to the Bahamas, insisting she did nothing wrong. Uh, yeah. But wow. what, why, why do these exist? Well, there are, to separate, there are uh, legally manufactured uh, uh, opioid drugs that are painkillers that do have certain appropriate uses. All right. And then there is a uh, 
uh, huge and significant market of illegally uh, manufactured uh, and um, smuggled drugs that are have have never been directed for human use. They've always been aimed at money and uh, you know uh, recreational use. How prevalent um, is the problem in in the Twin Cities or in Minnesota? Uh, huge. It is. It's huge. Um, you know, if you look at the uh, the number of deaths, and, and I know the national numbers better off the top of my head, um, there are more people, uh, there, are, are the, there are a greater number of people dying of opioid overdoses every day than if a jumbo jet rammed into a mountain each day. Good Lord. There are more deaths from opioid overdose uh, per year than the entire number of U.S. soldiers lost in the Vietnam conflict. Mother of God. There are more people who die of opioid overdoses each year than die of car crashes or the total of all uh, gun-related deaths. Well, all I'm hearing from you is, if I'm ever prescribed this, God forbid, I'm not taking it. Well, (laughs) you know, I don't want to give too... There's a very significant difference. There are circumstances where opioid drugs are necessary and or the best thing available for incredible, horrendous pain. Mm -hmm. And um, as an emergency... Uh, physician, uh, you know, unfortunately, I have seen uh, all too much of what people can have to deal with, and mm-hmm. I don't want to minimize that in any way. The reality is that a very appropriate short-term usage is reasonable and can be safe. However, a number of things came together to create a circumstance where too many people were prescribed opioids for drugs that could have been managed perhaps better, not perhaps, it could have been managed better without them. Uh, the problem is that the one, one element of the problem, I don't want to make this too simplistic, one element of the problem is that between errant medical education and consequent bad practices by physicians, and a rather remarkable and uh, probably uh, borderline, well, criminal, if not certainly unethical, uh, promotion by drug companies, and, of course, the potential for profit, uh, there developed a tremendous amount of opioid use, and the drugs are incredibly addictive. Mm -hmm. Again, it depends on the individual. It depends on the use. It depends on the pattern. Now, I would agree with you that if you have a bad back, as an example, Mm -hmm. which is an ongoing chronic problem, I would, as a patient, 
do everything in my power to avoid getting on opioid drugs for a problem that is not anticipated to go away. I checked that. Now, yeah, now if you, you know, sustained a, uh, you know, if you have a kidney stone and go to the emergency department and you are writhing in incredible pain, first off, solid practitioners will try uh, uh, both opioid and non-opioid drugs to get you relief. And sometimes you may require or, in fact, beg to have relief by whatever means is possible. And uh, in those settings, you know, I, th- I think that's appropriate, and I, and I believe that the risk-benefit works out. Let's go back but, to the chronic back yeah. problem. How would you manage the pain without opioids, which I would well, intend that, to do, by the way? You know, uh, okay, and Joe, I tell you, I, and I, this is always a kind of a worry of mine that I, I'm going to try and give answers to uh, simple answers to problems that are incredibly complex. That's not my they're, fault they're, that I asked you that. That's Kenny's question. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I actually asked the question <laughs> in his ear, Doc. And I've yeah. been to the emergency room a number of times, a few times when they asked me the 1 through 10 question, I've told oh. them 12. But my yeah. big concern is the guys yeah. that get addicted to the, uh, what's the narcotic that's uh, slow release, uh, time release? Yeah, Yeah, that one. Uh, and it seems from what I've read that, that this is a, prescribed a lot for people with chronic back pain. How do you manage that pain if not with opioids? Uh, well, uh, you know, again, as I said, this is too big a topic to cover, but there are, there are uh, multiple other uh, approaches to go, uh, including non-drug uh, treatment. And am I saying that they're magical or that they will eliminate anybody's discomfort completely? No, I wish that was the case. Uh, I'm a ba- I've had two back surgeries and a neck surgery, and I've had, uh, knock on wood, doing well, but... I went through years of uh, significant pain. Uh, I, I was able to get by uh, on, you know, non-opioid uh, drug management. But um, what I have seen and what I think uh, history is showing us now, uh, tragically, is that the benefit of a drug like OxyContin in pain relief is not balanced by the risk of significant addiction and the life-wrecking devastation that occurs many, many times, thousands of times. uh, In the emergency room, we deal frequently with drug seekers. These are people that have developed a, 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 a dependence on opioids, and um, they will come in and they will say and do most anything they can, and many are very sophisticated, to uh, try and get you to administer opioid drugs you know, and, and write, them, write them a prescription. And for th- those folks are a real pain in the ass when you're sitting in the emergency room with five broken ribs or, you know, you're bleeding because those idiots clog up the works. Uh, and, and I have one more question for you. Um, there, there's been a number of times when I've been injured where the doctor has told me, stay ahead of the pain. Do you agree with that statement? And, and, and well, what, what they mean is keep taking that medicine so you don't feel any pain. Yeah. Well, again, 
you know, it's hard to give a, a blanket answer. You know, some that that oftentimes is in a post-surgical setting right. or right. you know, following an acute injury. And uh, you know, again, this 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 conversation, this topic is 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 extremely complex in in some ways. And I'm going to change so there's, the. There's, I'm going to change. No, there's no blanket answer to that. I want to say one thing that I that I mentioned regarding the. Uh, the drug-seeking people. That when I when I turned those people down, and you know when I became when I was felt comfortable that I was not misreading things and that they had a dependence problem, I would offer them a referral, you know, for help with that. And I would tell them I would not give you drugs, I would not give you narcotic drugs because I did not go into this business to make your life miserable and to ruin it. Yeah. And these drugs can do that. And unfortunately. They are doing that for thousands and thousands of people in Minnesota and across the country. We're speaking with Dr. Tom Combs. What made you decide to leave uh, medicine and pursue the dreadfully lonely life of becoming a novelist? <laughs> oh, well, uh, 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 I guess I usually don't discuss this much, but uh, uh, my uh, my brain blew up. Uh, uh -huh. I uh, had an aneurysm. Oh. And... Uh, so I took a I took a run at dying and um, didn't work out I, for you. Uh, uh, I, yeah, 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 no, I didn't make it. Yeah. And because I I, uh, I went to North Memorial's emergency uh, department where I had worked for uh, eighteen years, and the incredible folks there uh, kind of took over, and uh, I uh, I had some significant difficulties, and I had uh, kind of a uh, kind of longish recovery in some ways, but uh, I didn't come back 100%, as is probably obvious to you, but uh, I did lose uh, enough memory uh, and um, ability to multitask that uh, I was no longer able to uh, to work as an emergency doc, so they, they got rid of me. What's the What was book number one called? Book number one is Nerve Damage. All right. Book number two. Book number two is Hard to Breathe. And book number three, which is just newly released. Yeah, book number three, which includes uh, the opioid epidemic and uh, and what happens with the. We didn't really get to touch on it. The synthetic opiates, right. these are the fentanyl, carfentanils, uh, when there is an incredible explosion of uh, of uh, of deaths in the city, and uh, the Twin Cities is kind of brought to its knees as the ER becomes something of a uh, war zone. Uh, and that is Wrongful Deaths. Which All right. Is book number three. And that's the one that's in the mail to me. That's the one that's in the mail to you. Exactly. Uh, how can uh, people get your books? Um, the uh, My uh, independent bookstores that I uh, strongly uh, support, uh, Once Upon a Crime. Oh, yeah. Joe, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, is a wonderful, wonderful store. Very much. Uh, and... Uh, Valley Bookseller yep. in uh, Stillwater yep. is uh, uh, another site. And then otherwise, I uh, have a uh, significant amount of sales at um, on Amazon. All right, and, wonderful. Uh, and, you can, and I also have a website uh, that uh, people can, can check out and see if the books look like something that would interest them. What's they the are, website? What's the website? It's www.tom-com. C-O-M-B-S. 
C-O-M-B-S, correct. Uh, Dr. Tom Combs, I'm going to look forward to uh, reading Wrongful Deaths, and we'll be in touch again sometime. Yeah, okay, Joe. Thank you. And uh, you know what? I appreciate you bringing uh, to the fore this concern about the uh, outbreak of Ebola, because uh, this is something people need to be aware and informed of. And with you, I am mystified that the U.S. media has uh, been giving it short shrift. Uh, Rook has something to Just ask you. Just one quick question, uh, Doc. I know you're in the industry. What, what's with that good doctor, the show, Dr. Sean Murphy? Is that, is that show pretty true to... What the hell are you talking about? The autistic doctor. Oh, The that good show. doctor, Dr. Sean Murphy. Oh. Is, that, is that show pretty legit or no? Uh, I have not ever seen the show. Showing and, good taste. Uh, just, just based on, on the uh, typical handling yeah. of uh, medical programs. Uh, I would say it would be unusual if it was a uh, accurate or you know significant uh, significantly credible uh, representation. Gotcha, so, Tom. Gotcha. Tom, thank you very much. We'll be in touch. Okay, thanks much, Joe. Thank you. I know how I'm not going to get Ebola. Oh, I ain't going to Africa. Let's go to Sudan. I'm not Come going on, to Africa. Hey, I'm not going to Africa. Congo. You're gonna stay home and watch the good doctor. There's Ebola and there's major Ebola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go to the Congo. No, we're not <laughs> going to the Congo. <laughs> Rookie informs me uh, while during the interview, he owns a four car Sudan, a four door Sudan, four door Sudan, four door Sudan. Uh, let me uh, let me uh, return in just a moment. We'll return to the troubles of uh, America. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Let's get back to America tearing itself apart over a judicial nominee. Have you heard the latest breaking news? I'm afraid to ask you what the latest breaking news is. The uh, the attorney for the porn star Stormy Daniels, Michael Avenatti, yes. uh, has produced a client uh, who is now accusing uh, Kavanaugh of being part of a gang rape. Uh, uh, what's her name? Paragon. In, uh, in approximately 1982, I became the victim of one of these gang or train rapes where Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh were present. Shortly after the incident, I shared what had transpired with at least two other people. During the incident, I was incapacitated without my consent and unable to fight off the boys raping me. I believe I was drugged using qualudes or something similar in place uh, of what I was drinking. Uh, and this is, and then I have the court document that's too small print for me to, uh, to read. Uh, help me, uh, learn her identity, please. Uh, it, I, the piece I printed does not, just right. go to the Drudge Report and it's the play story. Yep. Uh, she's a, uh, government worker and, uh, Avenatti has tweeted the name and the photo of the client as well as screenshots of email correspondence and a sworn statement from the alleged victim laying out her allegations. Julie Swetnick. Okay, and she uh, she was with the State Department, I believe, in the U.S. Mint. I am trying to verify that. And uh, Avenatti writes uh, on a tweet, Below is my correspondence to uh, Mr. Davis of moments ago, together with a sworn declaration from my client. We demand an immediate FBI investigation into the allegations. Under no circumstances should Brett Kavanaugh be confirmed, absent a full and complete investigation. You know, and then the cynic in all of us would, would have us wonder if uh, Avenetti, on behalf of his porn star client, uh, doesn't have it in for Trump. 
Wow. Uh, the other news is, and I, I'm, I'm struggling with this, did you guys ever keep a calendar from 36 years ago? Sure didn't. <laughs> no. I would no. have been three. <laughs> no. Well, he, he has a calendar that he's going to, Brett Kavanaugh has a calendar uh, that he intends to introduce uh, in his defense. I, you know, I, I've been rooting for the guy, I, but I have no idea what, what a calendar could, uh, how a calendar could benefit him. I think one of the first things I'd ask him is, who in the hell keeps a calendar right. from 1982? Why do you have the calendar? Where, do you have a warehouse? <laughs> right. right. Do you Where have do one you from 1985 things? as well? And Kenny, you know what a calendar is? I have one. I I think I have one on my phone. Right. From, it's from 1982? It's how I know when Wednesday's approaching. Right. <laughs> He's got an alarm. To interrupt your seven, your six-day weekend. Right. Okay, so that's the latest. Uh, I don't know how that cannot be uh, investigated. That, that doesn't that charge have to be investigated? What I've noticed on the um, the Twitter is that he's guilty already. Oh, he, he's been he, presumed guilty. Yeah, he's he's guilty. My name is Julie Swetnick, and I'm a resident of Washington D.C. I fully understand the seriousness of the statements contained within this declaration. I have personal knowledge of the information uh, stated herein, and if called to testify, uh, I will do so. So. Uh, you think he was just a complete drunk and doesn't remember anything? No. The other question I'd ask him. I don't think you get to be nominated for a Supreme Court if you were a complete Okay, here's what I've been saying, Kenny, in your, in your absence. Heard, you work in the shifts at I, the Krabby Coffee your, Shop. I heard your Monday show. Okay, here's what I would ask again. There's no evidence, as of this moment, that he has uh, indulged in this kind of alleged behavior as an adult. Are we all in agreement there? No, no one's seen that. Yes, correct. No woman has come out and said, you know what? He nailed me in the cloakroom right. six months right. ago at, y- yet. At, <laughs> in the U.S. Senate office building or whatever. That never has come out. And all of these date to his student days. Right. So what I would want to know, and this would presume him uh, guilty of these things, but if I was questioning him, I would say, is it possible, uh, Mr. Kavanaugh, that— uh, that these allegations are true uh, as a result of you apparently heavily drinking uh, in college and in high school? And, and, if, and if he would say yes, my question would be, when did you have a come-to-Jesus meeting with yourself? What, what turned you around? Right. What turned you around? Because there's no evidence of this as, as an adult. Seems happily married. He's got a couple of kids. He's been ascending through the judiciary. He's, been, he's worked for presidents. He's had numerous opportunities, uh, uh, as we've learned through other tawdry stories. He's had numerous opportunities to uh, involve himself with women over the course of these years. So, so well, and look what the setup is. The setup is to try to dismiss these, and then you become—it's a trap because then you become um, uh, a non-me too believer. Well, or, yeah. Plus, if he said, if he said, yes, Senator, uh, I did a hell of a lot of drinking in those days, uh, that would lead to the supposition that then these events happened. This is a, this is a, an, he can't defend himself. And then, then if these events happened, it won't make any difference to feminism that he did convert himself. It won't make any difference. It was too late for that. Oh, his, yeah, his, his, his 30 years of public, uh, dignity and, and apparently, uh, great work on behalf of 
across all socioeconomic and gender lines, that will be dismissed. So <laughs> even if he even if he said, you know what, let's 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 cut to the chase here. I I just uh, man, I ran with a crowd. We drank all the time, and uh, that's going to immediately indict him then of these allegations. Agreed. Have anybody has anybody come out, women in particular, saying they knew him then? Yeah, and, there's been women who say and, this is uncharacteristic. And he was uh, he was very nice, congenial, yeah. and yeah. Uh, not yeah. at all abusive. Yeah. So but people so he, refuse to believe that. So though. he yeah. has had supporters come out, and they're just being shouted down. Right. right. They're they're were yep. not taken as yep. fact. Right. Right. Hmm. Solely wow. political. But you know, you have to say, do you think three women are in conspiracy to derail a guy? I, you know, that's 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 unlikely. Or am I naive? I think it's unlikely. Uh, I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely that three women. Well, I'm not counting this Debbie Ramirez. That's that story. Just B as in B. Is that the sixth day or six? The one you talked about on Monday, where she thinks she might, but she doesn't know for yeah, sure. Yeah, she doesn't know. She doesn't know she's on foot or horseback. She doesn't know anything about it. I'm discounting her, but you, you got to look at Ford, and now you got to look at this woman who's willing to swear that she she he was present during her getting gang raped. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, and the country's tearing itself apart over this. I, it, it sure would be nice to get to the bottom of it. Uh, What's D-Day, Thursday? Tomorrow. This yeah. is, uh, we'll, we'll, everything will come out tomorrow. Well, no, uh, nothing will. I bet I bet at the end of tomorrow we will be experiencing uh, more confusion. But why are the only two names ever named Kavanaugh and Judge? I don't know. There, there's never any other... And some other guys. You know what the ca- uh, calendar said? What? Football camp starts, and then it says, go to Rocky 3. Yeah. Later Gross. that same week, Ooh. he went to see Grease 2. Oh. Yeah, Rocky 3. Well, that's when Rocky fights now, Clubber Lang. These are, these are serious issues. And re- <laughs> my, right. my, this is, uh, oh, my word. <laughs> Kenny's eyebrows have been raised. <laughs> he, the front of the calendar is doodles of stars. In the bottom right corner, he appears to have done some math equations. What the hell... I, what does he think this calendar is going to prove? You're not going to write on there, I sexually assaulted somebody. Uh, right. Uh, he did list a wide array of parties he attended that summer. He listed, he detailed the dates and places of at least five parties and also noted a number of beach trips. Is he at, um, did any of these coincide with what his accusers I are I think saying? that's why he's introducing the calendar to to demonstrate that I I kept track of where I was. And uh, I can demonstrate to you that uh, Ford wasn't at any of these parties, maybe. I don't know. Ford's name isn't mentioned on the calendar, but she said she didn't know Kavanaugh very well at the time of the alleged assault and did not remember exactly where and when it happened. Hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. So she doesn't remember anything except that he was there. Well, and she it's was an odd thing to remember. Who if, were the other guys that were there? Does she remember she any of them? She names a guy named Mark Judge. Okay, okay. Yeah. He denies. He denies being there. That's not the. Well, the, so far the toughest one is the most recent one. That's Mike. Judge. That's Mike Judge. You're thinking of Beavis and I was, Butthead? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't know if that was the same. Talking about Mike. Marv, uh, Mark Judge. Mark Judge, different. Right. Well, I predict we'll be more confused uh, tomorrow. Don't you think? Yeah. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. 
Hey, Cruz and his wife, Ted Cruz and Heidi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they, did they find a new place to eat? No, they went back to the restaurant. What? To finish their food. Wait a minute. How much longer the next day? Background no, last me thing. here. What the hell are you talking uh, about? The, uh, the rabid protesters uh, demanding Kavanaugh's hide uh, found uh, uh, Ted Cruz and his wife dining at a very trendy, high-priced restaurant uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. In fact, it's located on Pennsylvania Avenue. And the uh, protesters drove uh, Cruz and his uh, wife out of the restaurant. Uh, the name of the restaurant is Fiola. Uh, Kenny, we looked up the menu. Uh, extraordinarily expensive. Uh, a Manhattan is sixteen bucks. Uh, Two hundred and twenty-five dollar entrees. So one of my questions yesterday was: seeing the video of the protesters, it was not plausible to me that any of them would have been there dining. So how did they know Cruz and his wife were going to be at Fiola? Yeah, good question. But anyway, they were there and they drove them out. And then now we learn uh, the owner of Fiola said in a statement obtained by CNN that the restaurant welcomes all patrons, adding that the situation was resolved and Cruz and his wife returned uh, a few minutes after the altercation began. Per Mm. our policy for events of this nature, police were called and the guest escorted to privacy. Owner and chef Fabio Travoch, she said. When the situation resolved a few minutes later, our guests returned to thank the staff for their support and to finish their exceptional meal. Well, you know what I said yesterday, Kenny? When I would have left, I would have told the uh, Fiola, I ain't paying. Yeah, yeah. You let these morons in here, I'm not paying your bill. They said they escorted them to safety. Does that mean they had to stand in the kitchen? I guess. Traboki went on to say that politics, like elbows, are best left off the dining table. The chef's statement follows a video posted by Smash Racism DC, which was shared more than 13,000 times. It shows Cruz and his wife being confronted by demonstrators uh, Monday night over Cruz's support for Supreme Court nominee Kavanaugh. Hi, I'd love to talk to you about Brett Kavanaugh tonight. I'm a constituent. Love to know what your vote is going to be tonight. I know that you're very close friends with Mr. Kavanaugh, a woman uh Uh, asked the senator in the video. God bless you, ma'am, Cruz responds in the video. Cruz's Democratic opponent in November, uh, Representative Beto O'Rourke, defended the senator on Twitter following the incident, calling for Cruz and his wife to be treated with respect. Not right that Senator Cruz and his wife Heidi were surrounded and forced to leave a restaurant last night because of protesters. The Cruz family should be treated with respect, O'Rourke tweeted. God, I'd like to know how the protesters... Knew they were there. Well, they keep showing up for different, for everybody. For all these people that are, again, leave them alone. Let people eat. People should get to eat. You approach them on the sidewalk, you can say, hey. You get to wait outside. Yep. And when they come out, you can give them grief. But they get, you get to eat. Yeah, you get for sure you get to eat. It's amazing how conservatives, in, in the mind of the liberals, the conservatives are just... We're 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 Idi Amin. We're we're Hitler. We're yeah. Mussolini. Yeah. We're we're Ceausescu. We're yeah. we're just evil. We're oh. just evil to the core. Oh, we're just terrible. We're just terrible. Remember Grandma and her doc problem in Orono? Boy, do I ever! Yes, Grandma. Uh, please, grandma's. Please tell me it was resolved. Well, I got news for you. Good. Uh, well, it's not that good. Oh. Uh, well, uh, to review, uh, Grandma. Uh, this is the result of an emailer. JP uh, sent this to Reavers, who passed it on to me. Her name was Nancy Edwards. She's got the great 100-year-old cottage. And to help make ends meet, she rents a uh, single boat uh, t- 
to uh, reside at her dock on a hoist. One boat. And she also rents some of the cottage to, uh, to people to help uh, pay her bills. And somehow she got into a conversation with a marina uh, out there. And that, I can only figure the marina owner must have been the one who went and blabbed to the right. city council and said, hey, there's a lady on the shore here is taking my business. That's how I see it. Well, she's not taking anybody's business. By that reasoning, nobody should have a boat at their dock then. But uh, it didn't occur to us what the answer to her problem was. What's the answer? Have the tenant give her the title to the boat. And she lets them use it, <laughs> whatever they want. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It didn't occur to us that day. Well, that's and a this, good idea. That's so that. I like my idea better because she also includes a room. Yeah. The upstairs. I say you rent the upstairs, you get free use of the dock. Yeah. Well, right now. Either way. Uh, what were what was sent to us is a uh, screenshot, apparently, of, uh, what is it, Reeves, a Facebook page? Yes, it was a Facebook post. And she writes, Nancy writes, right now I'm pretty shaken up. Someone who knows inside City Hall just told me that Orono plans to take me to the mat and make an example of me. Wow. Anticipating a hearing yesterday had me so filled with anxiety that I actually didn't turn my car off when I got home. It ran for over 24 hours. This thing is affecting my health, which is frail to begin with. And then other people weigh in on this and, and say, uh, have him sign title of boat to you as joint owner. Buy your portion for a dollar. Done. Great idea. She got to do this quick. Great idea. Skirt the law. What the hell is wrong with the city council and the voters in Orono? What, what's wrong with you I don't people? Know. I don't know. There are so many docks with, uh, you know, six boats and pontoons at it. Right. A couple of jet skis. White what's bikes. the difference? Well, I, I guess there is a big difference that presumably those are all owned by that homeowner. So all she's got to do is get the tenant to say, give me a dollar. That's BS, Joe. She shouldn't have to do anything. Well, of, of course that. not. It's all a crock. But yeah, but beat them at their own game. Hey, city council, look at Here's the title. I, I own, own the boat. It. Yeah. It's my boat. You know I want to paid for it. I paid a buck. You know for what? It. I want to publicly shame those Orono City Council people. I want to find out where they're eating tonight, tonight, and yeah. I want to go shame <laughs> yeah. them publicly. Protest them. So they have to leave their local Arby's and watch them <laughs> re rebuttal her uh, her claim that she paid a buck. Well, did you pay tax on that dollar you oh, spent on the yeah. boat? Hey, Jim, <laughs> how's I, I, your I hope roast she's beef? paying income taxes on that money she's receiving. Oh, yeah, remember that? Jeez. Oh, my God. You know, it seems like a pretty harmless case, doesn't you it? People just keep living here in the yes. cities. Stay the hell out of the country. <laughs> That's not the city, Kenny. <laughs> Jackasses. <laughs> God, it just makes me hate people. Oh You're just God. coming off, what, six shifts at the crappy coffee shop, and I can tell. I am putting up a 10-foot-high steel gate at the end of my driveway. <laughs> you ring the bell, and I start shooting. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Watch out for shots you're, coming from the barn. And you're not going to uh, mess with uh, security cameras either, are you? No. No, you don't need them. Don't need security Ring the bell. He's gonna have the sign. He doesn't want to know who he's shooting at. He just wants no. to shoot at him. He has the sign that says, we don't call the police. Yeah. The big shotgun on it. Press you know, button, wait for gunshot. I might have told you guys this story before, but it was a long time ago, so I can tell it again. It just makes me hate people. Well, My one, God. This one's really going to get you. When I grew oh. up, I was lucky enough to live on White Bear Lake. Yep. And there was a path that went across the front of our house. And that path went all the way around the lake, and it quite literally dated to the days of Native Americans mm. with a well-worn path. So 
Oh, I'm mad already. Well, wait now. I'm already angry no, you're because get... I know what happened. Okay, so some interloping jackass moved in. No, you're, you just let me get there. <laughs> so my whole life, my whole life, I spent walking that path in various directions to buddies' Absolutely. houses, and strangers were in our yard and coming Absolutely. through, and that's just the way it was. Yes. So cut to cut to the modern times. About five years ago, uh, I parked my car. And I wanted just for nostalgic purposes yeah. go for a walk go on the path. I was confronted three times to stay off people's property. Wow, the whole nature of I uh, see. I these people today they they keep screaming about it takes a village. Yeah. We want to be All a community. They hate people, and we're, we want to be a collective. No, you don't. Not not till you set foot on their property right they go crazy all are welcome here except but, you get out of here yeah. with your tennis shoes Stay on my grass and you're feeling golfy hat yeah. and that's the same thing hat. that's happening at lakes all over and it has been happening for the past 20 30 years mm-hmm. in lakes all over the state these mm-hmm. idiots from the city move up there or they get a weekend place or whatever the hell it is and they bring all these bs values with them and they put up the fences and they hate their neighbors and what is that smell manure oh my god we've got to stop that uh, you know and what what are these no tractors what, what? i am i can still see that Idiots. path and i imagined it trodden with moccasins moccasined feet Ooh, and birch bar, uh, birch bark canoes it was it was a, it was literally went around the whole lake and then, of course, uh, the other thing we did is my mother uh, built a grotto and put a phone in it. Yeah. So the people on the path, they'd stop and just make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first one of the first phone booths in White Bear Lake. Yeah. And then somebody came in by boat, lassoed the grotto she built and pulled a hit it oh. like they were pulling a water skier. And down went that baby. <laughs> Was that Paul? Is your brother Paul? No, I think it was a stranger. You got more to come next uh, hour? We really do. All right. I'm going to make a link you won't believe. Stay tuned for the following link. It's going to be an amazing link. <laughs>